0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chelsea Overseas podcast. Yes, it's me, Michael. I am back. I've made a return. The Arsenal fan is back, but we're not here to talk about Arsenal. Or we will be. Let's talk about Chelsea though first. We will first recap Chelsea's matches against Brighton and Dynamo Zagreb and preview our upcoming match against Arsenal and Man City. So, uh, let's first discuss the 4-1 loss to Brighton and then we can talk about the Champions League match. So, Chelsea versus Brighton. Chelsea obviously lost 4-1, down 3-0 at halftime. What went wrong for Chelsea?
1: Yeah, well, obviously not a good result. Uh, an embarrassing loss uh, over the weekend, last weekend to Brighton. And, you know, I think what went wrong is obviously it, it was quite clear. You had Raheem Sterling and Christian Pulisic both playing at wingbacks. And while this worked against Salzburg in the midweek... And you had the midfield that was able to cover those gaps behind them. Here was a different story. And when you when you look at Chelsea defensively and how they approached it, when they so when they pressed, they went into more of a 3-1-4-2. So you had your back three. You had Loftus-Cheek just in front. Kovacic and Gallagher went on to the uh, midfield pivot of Brighton. Brighton were in a back four. And then you had your wing backs going right up against the fullbacks, and, and you had Mason Mount and Kai Havertz forming a front two trying to stop the center backs from playing out. But obviously what started to happen is because you had really big gaps that formed between the wing backs and the center backs. So the gaps between Sterling and Kukurea on the left were huge, and the gaps between Chalaba and Christian Pulisic on the right were huge also. And you didn't really have the midfield to cover those gaps cuz Kovacic went to Kovacic and Gallagher went to that midfield pivot and then Loftus-Cheek was sitting in front of the back three covering the gaps when the back three would get stretched into wider areas. So what happened was that back three was always very isolated and they were able to get into a lot of one-on-one situations we saw we saw Solly March get into a, a lot of one v one situations with Kukurea, and Kukurea was was you know visibly getting a little bit frustrated. So basically, Brighton exposed the gaps between the wing backs and the center backs. The outside center backs of Chelsea and Chelsea were exposed and got punished defensively because of it. It was it was completely unbalanced.
0: Yeah, from the looks of it, it was always like Chelsea were were fighting in the back. And it was almost, uh, what I was seeing is like the middle forward dropping back a lot, and it was creating those gaps. I, I haven't really have, had the chance to talk to you about this, Adam, but what are your thoughts on Gallagher, Chalaba, and Kukurela this, this uh, season?
1: Well, Kukurela, actually, it's a good point with Kukurela because he's been getting a lot of stick actually. And I, I I think it's a bit harsh because... I think he's had to play a lot of minutes in, in that left center back role, which I don't think is his best role, although he can do it. And I think he's more of, like, a little bit of his struggles at the moment are a lot of the team's struggles and the injuries in the back line and maybe playing in, in a position that he doesn't prefer as much in this Chelsea team. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about Cucurella. We have to remember when he did come in, Initially, like those first matches, he was brilliant playing at wing back. So I think he'll be fine. He's proven his quality in the Premier League. And you have uh, Ch- Chalaba's been great over the past little bit. And and Conor Gallagher is is impressing Graham Potter over the past matches. Uh, his, his appearances off the bench. But when he started, he's been good. We talked about it last week, how good he was against Salzburg. But I think you know in this in this match when you go back to it 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 was always a match you felt chelsea would have to outscore brighton rather than control them because the midfield wasn't able to control the game it was very unbalanced with those wingbacks in higher positions that you didn't it, it made it very difficult for the midfield to to cover those gaps and you know even playing without Jorginho who who brought a lot against salzburg with Pulisic and, and Sterling and stopping those transitional moments, playing without him was a bit difficult too. So it was a very unbalanced team, and the, mid, the midfield wasn't able to cover those gaps. And even when Chelsea dropped into their defensive shape, right, it, it went into more of Kovacic dropping with Loftus-Cheek in the, in the midfield pivot, and then you add your back three. But the wingback still stayed in a really high position. And because Kovačić and Sheik were concerned about the midfield, right? Though that back three was the con- left exposed, left on its own, right? So it, it was an unbalanced formation that got punished.
0: I agree with that. I think, from what I saw, there was like the goals that they got scored against. It was almost quite the opposite. It was they were fighting with too many people at the back, and they were just like, scrambling amongst themselves.
1: Well, yeah, and those those scramble sort of transitional moments came from the big the big gaps that appeared. Absolutely. And Chelsea trying to get back and close them but it wasn't they weren't able to.
0: Graham Potter's uh comments on Raheem Sterling after the game or over the past week sorry uh, he said I can assure you that Raheem has never played as a wing back he's never been asked to play and defend in a back five or back four even. So what do you think he meant by this? And
1: First of all, Potter's right. Raheem Sterling, he's he's played as a wingback, but he hasn't really played as a wingback because he hasn't dropped into the defensive line, whether that's a four or a five, right? So he's played as a winger, essentially, as a winger that holds the touchline and creates the width. That's basically what Potter has done. So... My thing is you, you can label him as a winger. You could label him as a wing back. Either way, that's a wide player, right? My opinion is that Raheem Sterling's a better player in central areas. Where his career is at right now, he's a better player in central areas because I think he's lost a bit of, we talked about last week, a bit of the the, the 1v1 and the dribbling, I think he's a bit better with making those runs in behind off the shoulder of the, of the defender and central areas. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, but, you know, a lot there is the point of we do have injuries in wing back positions in that back three. Kukurea is having to play and fill in in the back three a lot. So you got to maybe give Potter a little bit of slack. Uh, on that one, but I do think Raheem Sterling's better in central roles.
0: I can see a Chilwell, or actually a Kukura, and then a Chilwell in uh, left back.
1: Yeah, right, and especially because you have both of them, it's easier to do that and play Sterling in the central areas. I think that gets the best out of the team as a whole, but Grand Potter at the moment's playing him frequently in wider positions and, that's what he sees.
0: How important is it for Chelsea fans to give Potter time and not overreact after these types of losses this season?
1: Well, it's really important and we'll give kind of an example, right? Um, You know, when you, when you go back to, to Pep Guardiola's first season, and I remember there was a four nil loss, I believe even a four one loss, there were a few big, big losses. So, you know, it, and they barely scrapped their way into the top four that year. So it it, it takes a little bit of time, right? It, it's not just going to click. You know, Liverpool, it took three years to finally win a trophy with Jurgen Klopp. Like, in the end, we can't... Anyone who's saying Potter out right now or whatever, we what are we going to do? S- sack another manager and just keep hiring and firing? And it's unsustainable. We saw that in the last seven years of Roman Abramovich's tenure at Chelsea, that the hiring and firing strategy, spending millions, leaving players left over from previous managers, it's it's unsustainable to keep up with City and Liverpool. So we have to give Potter a fair chance and time. And we have to understand that this season, there's going to be moments like this, right? I remember watching Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp before they started winning. Half their games were basketball games. Because before they had Allison, before they had Virgil van Dyke, at the back, they were awful at times. And then when they brought those players in, then they took that big jump, and after a little bit of time, it worked. Chelsea need to give Potter that time, and I hope the owners do. And most of all, I think the fans need to.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fair, but... I don't know if I like Graham Potter as much as I did Thomas Tuchel when he first started. I feel feel like he needs to find a rhythm and stick with it. And I guess I'm just not seeing that out of Chelsea recently. That was good. Chelsea clinched the top spot in their group, Group E. They are officially uh, down to the last 16. The draw will be announced November 7th, so looking forward to that. Did Chelsea need to play that strong of a lineup, you think?
1: Uh, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. And and there's a few factors here. One of them being that for every UCL win, you you do get money. And that, you know, that is a factor. There is the UEFA coefficient factor. Um, and there's the biggest factor that played into this, which I think is that I think Graham Potter just wanted to get some people going before Sunday's game against Arsenal. He wanted a a response after Brighton. But in the end, in the end, the fixture congestion is ridiculous right now, right? Absolutely ridiculous. And especially now getting towards the end of it, everyone's tired after this, you know, long streak of games. To play Mason Mount, Jorginho, Raheem Sterling, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I understand the back line because we have so many injuries there that someone has to play. So that I get, right? And and I didn't mind that Chilwell started, although he probably tore his hamstring. I like I was okay with it because I understand Korea needs a rest. Like we have injuries, I, I get it. But the rest of the team, like the midfield, Mason nice Mount, Jorginho. Didn't need to play Raheem Sterling, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, Ziyech, Broya were on the bench. Conor Gallagher was on the bench. Like there, there was no need for it. I, I don't understand. Cause, cause then if I don't want to hear on Sunday if Chelsea don't get the result against Arsenal, say, oh we we were tired. Yeah. So then why why was that lineup started on Wednesday against Dinamo Zagreb? Right. So now that that's not an excuse on Sunday. Right, don't complain about fixture congestion and then start those those players. So that that actually frustrated me a bit because I think we could have won the game with a little bit weaker of a of a lineup.
0: Yeah, looking at the stats, it was very clear that like Chelsea were dominating um, the shot the shot ratio alone, the possession, the passes. Chelsea really did dominate Dynamo. Um, I obviously don't mind because I am excited for the Sunday match against Arsenal. But I see your point Adam and it's a it's a fair point. Um is Zakaria, with it out in his performance, should he be more involved in the team moving forward?
1: Yeah, so it it seems like Twitter's just going off <laughs> on Zakaria just celebrating that performance and uh-huh. to- it's funny, it's it's funny to see after all this time sort of in the wilderness, but hopefully that's the end of Zakaria in the wilderness because in this match he was he was spectacular. And I thought he was man of the match, although Mason Mount got it. But I thought he was man of the match, and I think what stood out was probably the physical the physicality, his physical presence in midfield, which is maybe something we don't have a lot in this midfield. Uh, so the physical presence, yeah, but also uh, the fouls he won and his ability to escape pressure, too, in his own half. Uh, and then his decision-making, the, the quality on the ball, he didn't look rusty. I expected a little bit of rustiness. He completed 39 out of 40 passes, you know, which is awesome in midfield. So he he looked really good with and without the ball, won a lot of uh, key challenges, helped prevent counterattacks. So... Yeah, he looked really good and it's a sort of a profile we don't really have in the midfield. So hopefully, you know, I'm not saying he should start on Sunday, but I wouldn't mind seeing him start against Man City in in next week or I'd like I'd like to see him get minutes off the bench, start maybe a cup game. Uh, I want to see him more involved cuz he has a profile that's different.
0: Do you want to talk about uh, potential UCL round of 16 draws for Chelsea?
1: Yes, cuz I'm I'm upset with it.
0: So so your possible UCL round of 16 opponents, there's Club Bruges, Inter Milan, Frankfurt, RB Leipzig, Dortmund, PSG. There's a good bunch in there. Uh you could play a potential Mukhtarian in uh, Inter. He scored his few first goal a few a uh, few I think a week ago or so they they look pretty good. Um, who do you want to face?
1: I, I, you know, I think Bruges Frankfurt, I love club Bruges just because of Lahren and, and Buchanan, the Canadians. Um, but Bruges Frankfurt, those are the ones that you'd like to play. I think Leipzig Dortmund, I'd be okay with, but Inter and PSG are the ones I really want to avoid. PSG is obvious why I want to avoid them. But in terms of Inter, uh, I've, I've watched a good amount of them in the group stage, and this team in, in UCL is, is a little bit of a problem for bigger teams that they like to defend in that low block. They're very organized, but they have the transitional threat. And Lateral Martinez is, is awesome. And they have people in, in, in midfield to start those transitions too. And so I, I, they're a very difficult out. Inter Milan, it, it would be a very difficult opponent. So they, I'd want to avoid them, especially with with what they can do in transition, how organized they are defensively. I, 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 think they could they could cause Chelsea some real issues. So Inter, I'd want to avoid. Obviously PSG, and then honestly, if we could avoid those two, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, I mean to be fair though, Inter did lose to to the likes of Bayern. So they haven't lost... They don't They don't completely do well against all big teams, but it'll definitely be an interesting match to see.
1: Well, when Davies is in the team, obviously they're not going to win.
0: There was one moment in the game I was looking for it because Mkhitaryan was on the right uh, and Davies was on the left and they had a matchup and Davies ran past him. <laughs> but... <laughs> two of my favorite players up against each other. It was a dream come true. Yeah. Definitely an interesting run to have for Chelsea, the round of 16. Maybe they can, uh, repeat 2021.
1: Maybe you never know.
0: Yeah, but it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be fun to watch. Oh, would you look at that? Who's here?
2: Everyone. Welcome Jason. Great to be back guys. Michael. Great to have you back on board as well.
0: Yeah. Happy to be here. It's been a while. Um, Let's officially talk about Chelsea versus Arsenal though, the long awaited London derby match. I'm very excited for this game. My team, Arsenal. I I do I do occasionally support Chelsea in the champion matches, but in the Premier League you have to support Arsenal, well, at least I do. And uh so I just want to know Adam, what are your and Jason, frankly, what are your thoughts on Arsenal so far this season? How impressed have you been with them?
1: Yeah, well they've they've been I hate to say it, but they've been great. They've been great. Oh,
0: they've been fantastic, they have.
1: Yeah, they've been great to watch. And, um, you know, I think Mikel Arteta's done a brilliant job of getting players he needed to get out and bringing new pieces in to complement a lot of the younger players that he does have. And I think people like Jesus Saliba, they've just elevated Arsenal, right? And it's, it's, it's brought him to a different level. And they've got a very clear identity and way that they're playing. If they can stay relatively healthy, then they can stay in the title challenge for a good amount of time.
2: You know, they've signed two of my favorite players from City, freaking Gabriel Jesus and and Alex Zinchenko. Although Zinchenko has been injured for quite a while, now he should be back for the game against Chelsea. And as for... Is that right? Yep, he should be back. Um, Tomiyasu might still be a little injured, but Matt Turner's out as well. But this should be a great game for um, both clubs. You know, Arsenal to kind of retain that position in, as first place in the Premier League and for Chelsea to maybe make up a little ground.
0: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. I want to see the uh, the matchup on uh, Arsenal's right, uh, Chelsea's left, if we see the... Uh if we see Rhys James back there.
1: Mm, sad, sadly, it won't happen with Rhys James out with the injury. You know, what did what did Chelsea do in this match, right? Because I think it's really interesting. Because I think one thing about Arsenal when you watch them is that they've sort of... So, one of the players that's really stood out is Granit Xhaka.
0: Oh, Granit.
1: Yeah, so... But he's obviously playing a bit higher, right? So, I think what... what What Arteta's done well is that so you've got your wide players, so you Saka, Martinelli are your wide players, but you have Jesus up top, and then Xhaka and Odegaard are pushed quite high close to him, so that when Jesus can drop and bring a defender out of position, then he has Jacka Odegaard close to combine with, right? And help get him behind the defense. So that sort of front five almost has caused a lot of problems. So I think if you're Chelsea, you'd like to probably respond to that with a back five yourself. The problem is obviously is that there's injuries to Chowell. there's injuries to Reece James, right? So then how do you approach that? I think you could play Kukurea as a wing back and put Koulibaly on the left, but then at right wing back, do you go with Aspi? Do you go with Ruben Loftus cheek.
0: I would put Loftus cheek, and I'll tell you why in a moment.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and you know what? I'll agree. I'll agree with that. But either way, I wouldn't put Raheem Sterling or Christian Pulisic at wing back in this match because I think with how wide those wingers play and how high the the midfielders and Odegaard play, then. It, the, you really create that front line of five? And Chelsea will at times probably have to drop into a uh, a deeper defensive position, and that's where you don't want Sterling and Pulisic being exposed in those in those wider areas.
0: Yeah. Uh, the thing I've noticed about Arsenal this season, and you know what, the, this I, I can see where this comes from because you look at Pep game, right? And you know, we all know like Arteta worked directly under Pep for a certain bit, so they have that close connection. But the pep game of a football is essentially like short, quick passes, uh, all across the field, and then eventually you'll get through enough players, and then you'll find yourself one on one with the keeper, or just in an op- empty space enough to take a shot.
2: Most likely, get it in. Or if you're Kevin De Bruyne, to just get a miracle pass and just score a goal. Yeah, exactly.
0: Kevin De Bruyne, man, he's he's crazy. He's he's an alien. Honestly, he could go on to be one of the best assisters and playmakers
2: I think he's already one of the top five midfielders to ever grace the Premier League I think he's just that good yeah
0: absolutely I agree with you his perfectly weighted passes on every single pass he comes on two minutes later for City but we're not here to talk about City anyways
2: we will in a bit
0: <laughs> yeah yeah end of it end of it but the thing about Arsenal what I've liked uh, what I've liked that Arteta has done he's he's kind of learned from that he does have that passing play in him But he's kind of mended it to his own thing where it's Arsenal play, not just uh, tiki-taka all over the field. They defend well. They get the ball quickly. And then with quick pace and intensity, they're rushing up quick passes. So it's more like a counter-attacking style, but still with the tiki-taka. So it's not... As beautiful per se as maybe Man City's game, but it's tactical and it's smart and it's gotten them where they need to be right now. So you'll see, like like one or two players at the top and a lot of players drop back, and then uh, you get them instantly. It's gone to Saka to Martinelli to Odegaard, boom, all the way. You find it at the top. Gabriel Jesus makes a makes a quick short pass, or he shoots it himself and it's in. So you'll need somebody on that's fast for Chelsea. That's why I think ch- physically physically. Physicality and pace are something that Chelsea's defenders are going to need most in this game. I think somebody like Aspie, he's a smart defender. He's a, He can be a playmaker. I don't think he'd be able to keep up with Arsenal's pace on the counterattack.
1: Yeah, and I, I think Loftus-Chic does give you a bit of both in terms of the attacking And he can be a competent defender too at that right wing back position. So one, and you know, you talk about Pep Guardiola. The other thing I'll mention about Arsenal is that the, you know, you watch them and you're, you're exactly right. There's a, there's a good amount of similarities and it's kind of all, you see it all over in that also what, what Pep has done is he's, so he's got his wide players to play as out and out wingers and he's got his midfielders, those two number eights, whether it's, De Bruyne and Gundogan, or if Bernardo Silva's playing there, whatever, so they can push higher. But that's able to happen because you can have... So for Arsenal, it's party. For Man City, it's Rodri. You can have a fullback come into midfield and also sit alongside him, and you could have that back line even at times shift from a four into a three. So you have Kyle Walker on Manchester City who who can help protect... On that right hand side, and it, you have Ben White on Arsenal, right? So the similarities are there where you can have full backs coming into midfield and you can have the back line shifting from a four into a three at times. And then you have your front five pushed really high and playing close, closely together, right? Which allows for that quick movement and combinations. So, you know, definitely Arteta's taken a lot from Pep. And he's, now he's got the profiles to play that way. That's the key. But he's been given time to get those profiles in, right? And that's, you know, going back to Chelsea, Potter needs the time.
0: That's fair. To
1: put, mold his squad together, right? Because we have to give him a fair chance to do that.
0: He's building an identity, which, you know, is respectable. Unlike United with whatever they're doing.
2: Uh, yeah I think this game will be really close. I think Arsenal you know will stick to their back four, you know for if I had to predict the lineup for Arsenal, I think I would go with Aaron Ramsdale in goal, you know Ben White on the right on the right hand side. And then if Zinchenko plays, he'll play on the left side. If not, it's a little bit confusing because Tommy Asu still might be a little bit injured. I
0: put Tierney. Tierney on the left.
2: Tierney's a fair shot. Yeah, Tierney's a fair shot. Yeah, I don't think Zinchenko will play the full 90 minutes due to his, the fact that, you know, he's just coming back from an injury. So maybe sub in Tierney at halftime or, like, the 60th minute. Play Gabriel and Saliba in the back. Thomas Partey, obviously, you know, being one of the biggest, you know, kind of, he's kind of like the glue to this Arsenal squad. You know, without Thomas Partey, you know, the defensive line might just collapse. Play Granit Xhaka, Kai you know, Martin Odegaard, Martinelli, and Gabi Jesus up front. That would be my Arsenal starting 11.
0: So what you think we're doing a four four
2: i I'd say I'd say naturally on like team sheets it'd be like a four two three one but you know obviously with the f- kind of like the front quote unquote five of Arsenal, it'll kind of look like a really high press from the midfielders all right with that
0: said though let's move on to the Chelsea versus man City game, which is coming up the Premier League game after Arsenal um what are your thoughts on Man' city so far this season? Is Holland finally the answer to win the UCL?
2: Well, I guess I'll start with this one since I am, in fact, a Man City fan. I think I think Holland could get us really far in the Champions League at the very least. I think he can get us to at least the top four, if not just lift the trophy in itself. And honestly, at this rate, I'd exchange a Premier League trophy for a Champions League because we're, we're kind of getting clowned around by the fact that we can't win internationally. But... Erling Holland honestly, is a cheat code. I mean, this guy is so good. But I think he should be back for the game against Chelsea. The clash against Fulham for Manchester City, he's still in doubt. But the Chelsea game, he should be good to go. And, you know, this guy just has more goals than games. Like, that doesn't happen too often. And it's up to Chelsea to, you know, really stop this beast of a guy.
0: It's him and De Bruyne, it's honestly the two of them make a masterclass and even just De Bruyne on his own. They're both such star players individually and together they're such a power duo.
2: Yeah and we, we saw it, it first hand against Sevilla, You know, we were down 1-0, De Bruyne comes in, threads a pass in the first two minutes he's on and then boom we're back in the game.
0: How is it perfectly weighted every single time? It's... Every single time.
2: We, we got to run checks for both De Bruyne and Holland to see if they're both human, because this is, this is getting unreal. Even for me as a City fan, it's getting ridiculous.
0: You said uh, you'd be willing to trade in a Premier League trophy for the Champions League, and I have to, honestly Jason, I feel like you guys can win both this year. I don't think Arsenal win first, I think we come in second. I had it in my predictions, I think City, Arsenal, then Tottenham, then Liverpool.
2: It's honestly a fair shout. Um, I think I think Chelsea can scrape in that that top four. Um, with the way that they're playing right now, and Liverpool maybe squeak in Europa League, but this top four race is really competitive this year. So we'll have to see if Chelsea could at least keep City at bay and you know really scrape into that top four because Arsenal and then Man City is not an easy schedule for sure. It'll be up to Chelsea though to stop Erling Holland. And how do you think they? How do you think they uh, at least try and mitigate the damage that he does, Adam?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, you called Erling Haaland a, a cheat code. It's right, but you know, well, the thing is with with Erling Haaland is I think at the moment it's obviously very early days with Manchester City, and despite scoring a lot of goals, he doesn't have as many. Touches doesn't get as involved in the build-up as as many strikers, so ultimately he needs service, which is okay because he's you know City give him service and he still scores. You know there's a possibility he reaches forty this year in the Premier League, right? Which would be insane. So in terms of how do you stop him, I think you got to limit the service into him as much as possible, and obviously easier said than than done. But I think Chelsea defensively are going to have to be very compact and have and have a very close eye on Kevin De Bruyne and, and and that midfield so you know I don't think there's many ways to stop Erling Haaland I think you have to try to limit the service into him as much and have a really good defensive shape and the spaces between the lines being really really tight so maybe Chelsea puts three in midfield to help combat that and hopefully that mitigates a lot of the threat but you and you definitely don't want to give him uh chances in transition take away the space in behind for him so drop a bit deeper take away the space in behind condense the spaces between the lines and maybe put an extra body in midfield to to deal with that
0: um how much rotation does potter do in this match against city
1: well, I think he, I think he does a little bit. You know, you do have Arsenal on the weekend, and you got Newcastle, which is an easy game the next weekend. So it won't, it won't be easy at all for, for Grand Potter. But I think he will do a bit of rotation. I think ultimately the Premier League he'll prioritize a bit more. So I, I do think, and I said this before, I do think there's a chance Zakaria could come in. That physical presence in midfield could help Chelsea too, right? Which, which I think is something that he'll think about, but. I think there will be a little bit of rotation. I think it'll be a little bit mixed, where you have a good amount of the the regulars starting, but you get a few that come in uh, and help out. So I, you know, I could see Zakaria ha- having a role, you know. And I, I, I think I don't think this is also a game where you where you try to play Pulisic or Sterling as wing backs either. I think you you want to uh, you want to make sure you have competent defenders in, in those areas and wider areas so definitely for for it's going to be a really difficult game but it's all about taking away that space in behind and limiting the service in and trying to find a threat on the counter especially with the pace of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Raheem Sterling
2: yeah, and for, I think it's kind of unfair for Chelsea because, you know, they play Arsenal and then they have to play Manchester City. Whereas for City, you know, they play Fulham where they can, rest, they can maybe rest some of their quote-unquote better players. But then against Chelsea, they can just go all out with, you know, their best squad, which I think is a little bit unfair to Chelsea. But, you know, Chelsea will have to do anything they can to get a good result. And I think for Manchester City, this... If they get if they get the win here, it'll really you know solidify themselves as possibly the best team in England right now. Although Arsenal make Arsenal fans will make a case for themselves, saying that you know we're still top of the Premier League right now, so technically we're the best team. But I think I think City will be able to finish first in the Premier League and hopefully also make it deeper in the Champions League. As for as for who starts for Manchester City, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a kind of like a guess because pep guardiola has kind of been utilizing his whole squad this whole season so it's going to be a little bit difficult but i have gone for you know the classic 4-3-3 the pep guardiola formation as i like to call it i've gone for ederson and goal gone for joel Cancelo on the left and i've gone for i've gone for john stones on the right I've gone for laporte and ruben diaz i will i will say i do think that manuel kanji will come on in this game I've gone for Gundogan, Rodri, and Kevin De Bruyne in the midfield. And I've gone for Phil Foden, Erling Haaland, and Bernardo Silva on the right-hand side.
0: They're both very exciting games coming up for Chelsea. Arsenal and Man City, they're both going to be tough. They definitely, uh, Potter definitely has to be smart with how he spaces out his uh, his team, really. We will be back next week to recam games. Uh, Arsenal and Man City. And preview our final match before the World Cup versus newcastle it's a very exciting november window um, both internationally and for chelsea and for arsenal and even man city too but thank you all for listening and peace